North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, it's about that time again. It's Dr. Low Radio. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and I've missed you guys so much. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. I've been uh, busy with my practice, and I actually just got back from Iceland yesterday. So if I sound a little funny, I might be a little bit jet-lagged, but I had to extend my stay for a couple more days because I was having so much fun, and I didn't really get much of a chance to... um, get used to Pacific time zone again, but it's all good. I had such an amazing time. You guys have to go to Iceland if you ever get the opportunity to. Um, Iceland Air actually has a free stopover kind of thing. So if you go to Europe on Iceland Air, you can stop in Iceland for free for up to seven days, which is so cool. Um, It wasn't even on my radar. It was something I, I booked like two weeks prior to going, and I went by myself and just explored the country. And I know it sounds crazy, but I guess I'm kind of crazy like that. I had fermented shark, which is disgusting, but I had to try it because it's a delicacy. They actually put the shark in the ground. They let it rot for a month, and then they hang it up to dry for about four to five months, and that's what I ate. Can you believe that? And I had mink whale. I had puffin, which is those cute little birds. I actually had horse, too, which I kind of feel bad about that since I actually rode a horse while I was out there. Um, I rode in a helicopter, I rode around in these big jeeps through rivers and streams, and I saw volcanoes, I saw icebergs and glaciers, and oh my god, it was just amazing, so incredible, that place is absolutely gorgeous, if you guys watch uh, Game of Thrones, it's filmed there, also the movie um, Walter Mitty was filmed there too, and um, just the most amazing place. And the coolest thing was how clean it is there. I mean, the environment is clean. There's no fluoride in the water. And there's not grass-fed beef because all the beef is grass-fed. It's like it's just beef. Um, so it's just really, really, uh, I think, refreshing to get that kind of experience. Like, wow, places can actually be like this. So highly recommend Iceland if you guys ever get a chance to do that. And um, I I'm, can't wait to go back. Um, But I'm back in the States now, and we have some really exciting things coming up, especially for the practice. So so my clinic, Shine Natural Medicine, if you guys are in the area, uh, if you want to come out to the area, we'd love to have you. We're having a midsummer soiree on July 23rd. It's going to be a party from 6 to 9. We'll have some um, healthy food and some drinks and music, and we'll be giving a couple little mini health talks, myself and Dr. Larson. And I'll be doing some IV therapy and some shots here at the clinic. We'll have some special prices and stuff for that. So if you've ever ever been wanting to try, it's your time to do it. So mark your calendars July 23rd from 6 to 9, our midsummer soiree. And get more details um, on our Facebook page at Shine Natural Medicine. And that's kind of it, what's going on right now. Um, You guys know I'm in San Diego. I see patients locally here and also all over the country. So if you wanted to um, look into some health stuff, you want to maybe do some testing and see what it is that you're – what's going on with you if you're not feeling well or, you know, you're not speaking the same language as your doctor, then I'd be happy to work with you. You can learn more about me, drlaurennoel.com, work with patients all over the country, so it's no big deal. 
And let's jump to tonight's topic. This is all about pre-pregnancy, so getting ready for baby, as my good friend calls it, Operation Uterus Ready, as we worked with her for a while, getting her uterus ready to be pregnant. And there's a lot more to it than just finances and timing. It's a lot more to looking at, okay, how's your nutrient levels? Um, What about detoxing? Uh, what about you know the emotional components that come with it? Um, what about the guys or something that guys need to be doing? So we'll be talking all about that tonight, what comes along with having a baby. It's more than just getting knocked up. And joining me tonight is um, a wonderful guest, Dr. Shannon uh, Sinsheimer. She is also a local naturopathic doc. She is the owner of Optimal Health Center in Palm Desert. She was actually the first naturopathic doctor in the Coachella Valley to bring naturopathic medicine to that area. Um, she's built a thriving practice by um, engaging with patients, spending time on their health needs, and working as their health educator as well as personal doctor. She also works within the community as a health volunteer, um, meeting the needs of the underserved, and she's created a program for parents-to-be or parents-to-be again to optimize the long-term health of their child. So, Dr. Sinsheimer, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. You know, I've actually, I think we've, we've met before at a conference, I'm pretty sure, but I mostly uh-huh. remember you on YouTube videos on doing different little health segments and stuff, and actually really helpful mm-hmm. stuff. I, you know, there's a couple different conditions. I'm like, I need to review on this, and I remember seeing you on YouTube. So mm-hmm. good stuff mm-hmm. to put out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to the show. And, you know, I, I pretty much with most guests will start off by, you know, kind of getting personal and knowing you a little bit better and what brought you into this whole realm of natural medicine. Oftentimes we have a story. So what brought you to all this? Well, when I was about 19 years old, um, I discovered I had a health condition and I was on medication that gave me some serious side effects and it just wasn't working well for me. So at 19 years old, I set out to figure out how I was going to resolve my own health issues. And I started myself on a natural health protocol of diet and supplements and a specific way of eating. And I was able to get off the medication and worked on some lifestyle modification things that helped me. And I discovered that I absolutely loved natural medicine and that there was a whole world open to people who had health concerns that did not entail going to doctors that solely prescribed pharmaceutical medication and that there was a different way to relate to your own body. So I started looking into natural health options just in general, how to be a healthy person in general, taking nutrition classes and actually took a world religion class where I learned about yoga. And, you know, this was, I always say, this is like yoga before Madonna did it because she really made it popular in this country. So this was like, wow, what is yoga? What does it do? What does meditation do? And I started working on health for myself. I started working at Whole Foods, like a lot of us did that are naturopathic doctors. We have this history of working at health food stores. And one day someone, it was my mom actually, brought me an article from Times Magazine about these people called naturopathic doctors. And I was like, who are these people and what do they do? And when I figured out what they are, I was like, that's what I want to do. That's it. I've got it. And so I went to naturopathic medical school and did my thing. And then uh, when I graduated, I started my own practice, and that is where I'm at today. So what was, I'm just curious, getting into this story further with your, your own health stuff, what was the medication that you were taking? Um, well, I was on Dexedrine, which is for ADD, 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then I was on sleeping pills to bring me off what I was on all day long. So basically I would get revved up all day long and not be able to sleep, and so then I was put on sleeping pills. And I would have absolutely no appetite, and so I would not eat all day long. And then when I went off my medication on the weekends, I would eat ravenously, like, like mm. you know, like someone who had been on an island starving for all week. So I was essentially starving all week and gorging all weekend, lost, I don't know, probably 20 pounds of, of you know, at 19, not a, you know, I didn't have that necessarily that weight that needed to come off. And then um, I didn't want to be on that medication. My hands started shaking constantly, and I couldn't get them to stop even when I was off the medication, and I didn't mm-hmm. feel good. So I looked at doing things naturally, and I started protein shakes and fish oil. I started eating every two hours. I made sure I never got uh, terribly hungry so I wasn't hypoglycemic. And I started reading about ADD and how it really affects the mind and how you can um, control some of the things that come along with having ADD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were some of the natural things that you did that made a difference for you? I think that's, it's really fascinating. So I started doing the diet. The diet was the biggest thing. I made this protein shake in the morning where I put protein in, I put powdered vitamins. Um, at the time, I was using apple juice and a banana because I wanted to get, like, good carbs in and kind of balance it. Um, and then I was putting fish oil. So I started my morning every morning with that, and then I started taking B vitamins. And then I started doing lifestyle modifications. Like, I realized I could not take a three-hour class at college. Like it just didn't work for me. But an hour and a half in, I was like, you know, off in outer space somewhere. So I started taking shorter classes and then I just started techniques. One thing, the good thing about the medication is it showed me how someone can really have deep, deep, long-term concentration. And I started thinking about how my mind worked on the medication and started applying that to my daily life. And I was sort of able to coach myself into having longer concentration times. Mm. That's really cool. I love the mind-body kind of approach. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, it's so good that you were able to heal your body and now you get to help other people. You get to pay it forward. And I know one of the things you've talked about is you work with a lot of um, couples, a lot of patients and getting pregnant. And mm-hmm. like I said, in the, in the intro, it's a lot more than just getting knocked up. You know, there's a whole lot right. with it. So, and, oh. you know, it's like now if you live in, in Iceland and there's, you know, zero pollution or which isn't totally true right. pollution everywhere technically then it's not as much of an important thing but if you're living in the United States there's a lot more you know toxins the 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 water isn't as healthy as it used to be the the soil isn't as healthy as it once was there's a lot more that comes with it so um let's kind of dive into pre the whole concept of preconception health i mean what is it who should do it um you know give us kind of like your your view of that when working with patients Okay. So first, like you were saying, to get to know your patients, I actually had my first baby a year ago, and this is a plan I did on myself prior to getting pregnant, just to sort of see how it all goes down. I'd already been working with patients, you know, as we all do in you know, general practice, you have people come in and want to get healthy, but sort of created this program. I've been thinking about what we do as a profession. Like we're working on the root cause of things, and we're working at long-term health. And the best way the absolute best way to prevent illness is to start before you're even conceived a child, the child is even conceived. So the program we do starts with optimizing your nutrients, detoxifying the body, balancing the hormones, and then getting on a maintenance protocol for, for what general preconception health would be, like your folic acid, et cetera. Um, what we're seeing is that both the man and the woman need to come in because they're both contributors to health. And things like 
low vitamin D levels in mothers can cause issues in their grandchildren. And so starting with good, healthy nutrient levels from the beginning doesn't only help your baby, it helps potentially your grandchildren as well. So we start with um, a test that a lot of naturopathic doctors do. It's called spectrocell micronutrient test. It's what we personally use here. And it's a test of, I believe, 34 different nutrients so that you're really seeing if there's anything you're deficient in. And that's just like, what do I need to do if there's, for anything that I'm lacking in? And then, if, of course, there's the good things that everyone should take, calcium, magnesium, fish oil. But this is to really see like, what your body might be missing that you want to build up before you conceive. And the second thing we do is detoxification. We know that we live in a world where you have a lot of toxic elements coming into our bodies. Um, we have pollution from the air, pollution from food that isn't always 100% organic. We have our skincare products. We have household products, etc. And one of the biggest issues that we see is that these chemicals are causing changes in fetal development and long-term changes. So it's very, very, very important if the only thing you could do is get in a quick detox before, you know, a few months before you get pregnant, that would change, potentially change the outcome of the health, of the long-term health of your child. If you can get rid of those elements, that might change how they physically develop. It can change anything from their heart development, their brain development, and not in a way that they're going to be mentally unwell, but maybe they're a little bit more prone to something like ADD we were just talking about, or maybe they're a little bit more prone to autism. And by cleansing your body, you really take away some of those risk factors. So we do a detox. We suggest, I suggest that we do it at least three months, like that would be the very minimum because you do detox over time and you don't want to have a detox going on while you're trying to get pregnant because that can be incorporated into the body, whatever you're detoxing. So preferably six months, optimally 12 months ahead of time, you do some deep detox work, you optimize your nutrients, and then the third phase would really be hormone balancing, like is your thyroid off? If your thyroid is off even a tiny bit, even if you've done all this yummy work for your body, you still might have a conception issue where you have trouble or a fertility issue where you have problems getting pregnant. So we look at your thyroid. We look at adrenal glands. Adrenal glands are, are glands that help give us energy and help regulate other female hormones in our body. So we look if you're stressed, if you're stressing out those little adrenal glands that manage our stress. And then, of course, the things that make a woman's body function, the estrogen and progesterone levels. So that's kind of dependent on where the person's at in particular, but certainly testing the thyroid and testing any other necessary hormones, estrogen, progesterone, adrenal glands is useful. And then for the male, we do the same thing. For the man who wants to be a dad, we do nutritional testing and we do um, detoxification work. For men, they have specific nutrients that help produce good sperm, zinc, selenium, vitamin uh, D, and fish oil. And most men don't know this, and most men don't know, you know, we don't really think of them as being as essential, even though they're totally essential to making a baby. We don't think of them as essential to the long-term health of the baby. We think about, like, oh, the pregnant mom. But really, we need that healthy sperm. And in the past, you know, men's sperm levels have been much, much higher. And now we're just at a small percentage of total sperm counts of what they used to be because of stress, because of Wi-Fi, like if you keep your cell phone in your pocket, all of those sperm count levels have gone down. It takes 98 days to make sperm. And so we want to have that dad come in at least three months prior to 
um, getting pregnant, <clears throat> excuse me, if not longer, again, because the longer they work and the more your body's detoxed, you've been producing that healthy sperm for a while and increasing your sperm counts, the healthier the baby you're going to have. Mm-hmm. That's the general program. So the detoxing thing, once a woman is pregnant, detoxing is not okay, right? Not okay. <laughs> right, yeah. Not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hardest part about the pregnancy thing is that, you know, you definitely, you, 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 you know, you got to have time to do it. And if you're already pregnant, you can optimize nutrients and things like that and, and get good nutrition. But detoxifying, if you are detoxifying, you're removing toxins from the body. They're, they're coming out of your body. And if you're detoxing out of your cells when you're pregnant, many of those toxins can cross into the baby's system and definitely disrupt their hormones, their brain development, their, you know, their body, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So let's say there's a couple, they're trying to get pregnant, they decided, okay, we're going to put this on hold for a little bit and really work on detoxing and cleaning ourselves out. Should they be very careful about getting pregnant, like use condoms, you know, whatever? I mean, what, mm-hmm. what, do, you, what do you recommend with that? Yeah, I recommend, I would think, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant, you want to get off birth control as soon as you're kind of thinking about getting pregnant because it does take a while for those hormones to regulate and your liver to detox from them and all that. So you would get off um, hormones at least at least three months, if not, honestly, more like, again, 6 to 12 prior to trying to conceive, and then you would use a non-hormonal form of birth control like condoms. Mm-hmm. If a woman has an IUD in, you can leave that in, again, until about three months prior to pregnancy and then, you know, then have it removed and, again, use non-hormonal birth control after that, which would be condoms. Yeah. You know, it's or so the funny, old I ones like diaphragms and things like that, depending on what Oh, yeah, good old diaphragms. Good old diaphragms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can think to a couple different situations, maybe a, God, maybe a handful of situations with patients where I say, okay, stop trying to get pregnant, let's work on this, and then, boom, they get pregnant because they finally stop, and so they're not stressing about it. It's right. like, hilarious how it <laughs> right. happens. And it's like, no, right, we right. need to detox, but okay, right, no, right. You know, no worries. <laughs> right. Have a good pregnancy. <laughs> Has that happened with you as well? Uh, 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 let's see. Has that happened? No. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I, I will tell you the best story is a woman who came in seven and a half months pregnant and didn't realize she was. <gasps> but besides that, um, no. Yeah, she did, and she was poor thing. She was really, really intelligent, very professional woman, and said, I am not one of those women who doesn't know I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I had to call her the next day. But, yeah, you do, you know, women do, I mean, they do tend to get pregnant the second they just finally give up. Fertility is just too on their mind. And then, you know, they go on a trip to Hawaii to relax and, and bada-bing, bada-bing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if, what if, you know, a couple, let's say they already have children, you know, is it still worth doing this? Should they still go down this whole preconception road thing? I'm sorry, can you ask that again? Yeah, so let's say they are, you know, someone already has healthy children. A Uh couple, they already have healthy kids, you know, is it still worth for them to go down this road again and do the whole preconception planning thing? Yeah, I mean, the issue is you never, each child is a new conception event. And so you're not, you're never, you know, you always want to make sure each child has the best possible outcome, and that best possible outcome comes with some preconception planning that, as we said, is more than finances and more than just figuring out the right time. It's really preparing the body. And when if you had a couple of kids already, just depending on the timing, you've probably caused some nutritional deficiencies in your body. The babies take a lot out of us to make. So, you know, you want to make sure that you have the right calcium and magnesium and vitamin D and um, 
uh, correct oils in your in your body that you need. So you definitely want to do the nutritional testing. That would be a priority for someone who's had kids. And then we are sponges for the environment. So a detox is good for anybody, anytime, most specifically someone who's about to, you know, make another human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking at some of the detoxing things you mentioned, you said like I, at least three months, but ideally if you can give a solid year to planning for this, then that would be ideal. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at the testing, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, doing a general detox program. Are you looking at different levels of toxins, maybe mercury or pesticides? I mean, we know with the Envi- Environmental Working Group looking at the cord blood, you know, women having babies, and it's like it's just rampant how much these babies are actually getting toxins as soon as they're born. So is this something you're looking at testing and then actually doing maybe like repeated testing to kind of monitor that? Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, I've just recently found a test that's more cost-effective, um, but a lot of the detox testing can be cost-prohibitive, especially when you're mm-hmm. looking at all of the other things that are combined. So that I leave up to the resources and the interest of the couple. A detox is going to be good no matter what. You're going to release toxins, but certainly an optimal program would include pre- and post-testing to make sure that you've eliminated what you need to eliminate before you get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's say finances were not an issue at all, which, of course, is never the case. But let's just say for good measure, what would be the the slew of all the labs that you would test in order to look at toxins? Um, I would really – the biggest thing I would look at is any plastic toxicity. Like you can do urine tests to test for things like PBA and things like that. I mean, there's – you know, it's it's probably not – I'm not – the best at doing toxicity testing because I don't do a ton of it, and I would have to look into it a little bit more. But there are – tests you could do for metabolites of various um, pesticides, herbicides, and plastics, and that would be the most optimal thing to look at. In terms of heavy metals, um, you know, I I think I would base that on any potential exposure to the patient. Um, That would be another great test to do. So you could test the mercury and lead levels because certainly someone with high mercury levels is going to be compromised for having potentially giving issues to the to the baby's developments. So that would be a great one to do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And then so looking at balancing hormones, so looking at the thyroid, looking at adrenals, the, the hormone balance. Um, I'm curious, so let's say you have a patient who has low progesterone and, you know, you're doing some things to get her progesterone levels higher, maybe some, you know, Vitex or maybe even putting her on some, some progesterone. Do you find that once they, if let's say they do get pregnant, do you have to take them off of that? Are they able to maintain mm-hmm. things? Like how do you keep that hormone, you know, balanced once they actually are pregnant? Mm-hmm. So we have a list of herbs that are safe for pregnancy and, and a list of herbs that if you are on, you should absolutely stand. So if you're on something like Vitex or Chase Tree Berry and it's enhancing your progesterone, the last thing you want to do is go off of that because if you go off of that, you potentially risk changing your progesterone levels and in the first trimester, it's those progesterone levels that are helping maintain the pregnancy the viability of the pregnancy. If you're talking about something for the um, adrenal glands or the thyroid gland that you've been balancing, those are typically toxic herbs for pregnancy and you would want to discontinue. So we have a short list of herbs that we say absolutely stay on that. In fact, the prenatal we suggest and um, we have a pregnancy prep formula that all have very safe herbs like red raspberry leaf that are excellent for pregnancy as in uterine tonic. You would want to stay on those, um, but there are most herbs, in fact, are would be toxic during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Awesome. And then the, the maintenance protocol. So let's say, you know, you've gotten through the whole detox thing and gotten the hormones balanced out. Um, the maintenance protocol, what would, in, what would be included in that? So you said maybe folate, um, maybe vitamin D. Are there other mm-hmm. kind of maintenance things? Mm-hmm. So the maintenance program is is about what you're going to be taking and what you're going to be doing long term. Certainly, uh, you know, we've already introduced the benefits of organic food so that you're eliminating any retoxification. We've talked about, you know, benefits of eating high produce diet with um, whole foods. Uh, the maintenance phase, we talk about skin care a bunch because hmm. most women do not realize that a lot of the skin hair products that they're using can be toxic to them, but more importantly, can be toxic to the baby. Things like sunscreen. You're saying environmental working group talking about the cord blood samples that are finding high toxicity. A environmental working group also has a um, online. Uh, I don't know. Like you can look at what products are good and what yeah, products like a are database. bad. Thank you. <laughs> database, an online database. So it has an online database which tells you if your sunscreen is toxic, if your eyeshadow is toxic, if your um, body lotion is toxic. So the beginning of the maintenance phase is not just about supplements. It's also the con- should be the continuation of eating healthy foods, eating organic foods, eating clean filtered water, having nice clean water at home that you shower and putting shower filters on because all of those things contribute to the health of the baby or, you know, can potentially be harmful. We talk a lot about skincare. So organic sunscreen, organic skincare products, non-toxic products, not going to the Estee Lauder counter and getting the most expensive eyeshadow or cream you can, but going to even a health food store or we actually have a local amazing organic skincare line here that we use called the Body Deli that I'm not associated with in any ways. Mm. I just use them profusely because they're organic and yummy and have no toxicity. So the maintenance phase is organic food, organic skincare, looking at what you're putting in your body, putting on your body, and then what supplements you need to, in general, have a healthy pregnancy, which would be fish oil, specifically DHA. DHA helps build a healthy brain for the baby. Um, They've shown that women that eat fish, healthy, clean, non-mercury-containing fish regularly, and who and or take DHA daily have increased IQs of their baby and have less um, brain development issues. So making sure you're having your DHA. Uh, vitamin D3, even if there's not a deficiency, having a small amount of D, uh, vitamin D3 daily can prevent long-term genetic issues. Even as I mentioned, in your grandkids, you can help prevent heart disease and diabetes simply by taking vitamin D when you're pregnant. So it's a big one for preventing long expression of um, cardiovascular and hormonal issues long term. Uh, calcium and magnesium, little babies, and when we grow them in our body, tend to take a lot of calcium and magnesium out of our body. So replenishing calcium and magnesium is not really at that point totally about the baby. It's about your body and making sure that you're not having excessive calcium and magnesium loss. A prenatal, um, I prefer prenatals with, like I said, some herbs or some really great um, holistic focus, sort of naturopathic uh, prenatals out there that include nurturing herbs in their prenatal. It should also include, of course, folic acid and B vitamins, um, and it will probably have some vitamin D. I prefer prenatals with methylated B vitamins. So for B12, it will say methocobalamin. For folic acid, it will say like something like 5-MTHF or methylfolate or something like that. And then 
If that's not too much for them to take, I also add on a probiotic, as we know that a healthy gut leads to healthy everything. And so taking a good probiotic just helps maintain healthy gut flora, which creates healthy moms and healthy babies. Mm-hmm. Is there um, a particular prenatal that you really like? I like Maternal Symmetry by um, Vitanica. However, it is a form of cyanocobalamin, not methylcobalamin. Um, and so if I believe that a person needs a methylated vitamin, like they have any issues processing B vitamins, then I would switch them to Da Vinci Ultimate Prenatal. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit, too, about with um, about deficiencies. I mean, one of the most common ones we see with pregnancy is um, anemia, right? So mm-hmm. is this something you're you know, recommending for patients to test their iron levels, and then how does that actually change once they're actually pregnant? Yeah, so I don't deal with people as much after they're pregnant. I work in conjunction with an OB who usually has care as well since I don't deliver babies. Um, Mm. But we do test their iron levels, and we test their, you know, we really look at what their capacity to maintain iron in their body is pre-pregnancy so we can reverse any of that. If a woman Mm -hmm. is getting anemic during pregnancy, there's a long list of iron-rich foods, you know, things like beets, blackstrap molasses even, you know, things that we can, spinach, that we can replace some amount of iron in the body. If someone's really anemic, you can give them an iron shot, or you can simply supplement with an iron um, supplement. I like uh, Herbal Iron by Floridix, simply because it's herbs that are high and rich in iron that um, are, are sort of leached out, and then they have it in the, the iron content in the bottle that you're taking of um, liquid, liquid iron. Mm-hmm. So I like that one simply because I think it's highly digestible and doesn't cause constipation. So it's the Herbal... Um, Iron by Flor- from Floridex is what I would suggest, as well as iron-rich foods. And, of course, testing. I mean, I, in fact, I had someone in here today, and she said, I'm really, really short of breath. Her pulse is really high. She's 19 weeks pregnant, and we sent her for an iron test right away just to make sure that she wasn't having anemia as part of her issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the days when I was a vegan and I was super anemic and would work <laughs> out and have to take a nap and sit down because I couldn't handle the workouts. It was awful. So yeah. you know how that yeah. feels. Yeah. So, okay, what about, you know, let's say a couple's doing this. What, are, what do you expect to come out of this? What's sort of the optimal outcomes that you expect from this preconception program? I, my, my experience is that they reduce risk factors for any changes in development in their baby. We are Mm -hmm. in a time when we're seeing kids with rampant allergies, digestive issues, more behavioral issues, autism, and many of these issues we link back to environmental toxicity, nutritional issues, um, of course, food sensitivities, et cetera. And so by decreasing the toxic burden on the baby's developing body, you reduce the risk that they will have one of these issues or that the issue will be as significant. I mean, it's only, only anecdotal. It's not anything I've done a clinical study yet, but the babies that are coming out of the preconception program are just the healthiest little, little people. They just, mm-hmm. their skin looks good. Their eyes are clear. They have less colicky issues. Their gut is well-developed. You know, like they're, obviously babies, it's not just a gut development issue when they have colic, but they're just simply these really healthy babies. They don't tend to have as many um, immune system problems. They don't tend to be on antibiotics as soon as other babies seem to be that don't go through the program. So what I expect is that they have less chronic 
long-term health issues, whether they be physical or more, and I'm going to use the word mental to describe like behavioral issues like obstinate defiance disorder or you know, development issues that cause autism or ADD. And the expected outcome is that as we're seeing more and more problems, physical and mental problems on the rise with children, that a preconception program significantly reduces their risk for any of these issues. Mm-hmm. So cool. And I'm sure that for the couple, or at least the mother, she's probably feeling better during her pregnancy after doing this type of work versus if she didn't do it, right? She could probably handle pregnancy so much better. Yeah, you know, I you would hope, although pregnancy, having experienced it myself, it was it definitely throws you some curveballs. So I think that in general, when you go into it nutritionally healthier, you're always you're going to have a better experience because your body can handle it better. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you experienced that you didn't expect to experience once you're pregnant? Because it's so cool that you've actually experienced this now. It's not so much like I'm the doctor mm-hmm. and I'm wearing the doctor <laughs> coat and used to do this. It's like, okay, now you're on the other side of it as the patient sort of. So, yeah, you no, know. That's actually what I always say. I, was, I always call it the other side. I'm like, I've transitioned to the other side now. <laughs> I know what that's all about. Um, I was, you know, really nauseous for the first trimester. In fact, up until about 16 weeks, and I did everything that I know in my power to do, and it would still come on, and just extreme fatigue. Like, you know, think of the, it's, it just, extreme, you know, you just, you just want to lay your head on a table and close your eyes every couple of hours. So extreme fatigue, and then, um, you know, after the first trimester, I didn't have a ton of issues. I you know, was really proud of myself. I had uh, my pregnancy buddy and I would go hiking. We'd hike five miles twice a week, and we'd hike this really high hill that was difficult, you know, pacing ourselves, and we would get people to cheer us up the hill. They'd be clapping for us. They would, like, be hollering for us as they saw us, and I was like, I can never hike again. Are you kidding me? Like, I can never hike without people cheering me on again. And um, I didn't – the other thing I didn't expect was – to not be able to eat as good of food as I would have told someone to eat. When you're first pregnant, sometimes you just cannot gulp down a spinach or something. Like you just want a piece of bread. You know, you just want carbs. I read this great book called Do Chocolate Lovers Have Sweeter Babies? And it was written by a woman who researched all of her symptoms and all of this folkloric uh, wise tales about pregnancy and then broke down the science behind each one of them. And it gave me great comfort to know in the first trimester you don't always crave meat and vegetables like you think you should absolutely be eating all day long because historically meat and vegetables have more bacteria on them and bacteria is a threat to a small tiny fetus or an embryo. That's why we don't eat soft cheeses and deli meats and things like that because of the listeria content. So in the first trimester, you tend to crave foods that have potentially less bacteria on them. So that is a great book for any woman who's struggling with why she's having these symptoms and really wants someone to break it down. I mean, even folkloric things like how you're carrying the baby determines, you know, uh, what if you'll have a boy or a girl? Because I personally didn't find out what I was having, so you know I'd want to read all these wives' tales, and and she broke them down, and basically none of them are ever true. But some of the science behind the reason you crave things gave me comfort. Like, okay, it's okay. I'm going to have this carb because I'm not introducing bacteria, and I'll eat my kale salad in the second trimester. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought. And the then book I actually Amazon have to tell you while you're talking. By the way, so when they when I had my baby, I um. I was two and a half weeks late, and he was, you know, it was a little of a compromised situation. And so when I had him, people kept on doing, the, you know, I kept on, I ended up, 
in a situation, in a hospital situation I was unprepared for. So they kept on testing the baby, is the baby okay, is the baby okay, because I was so late. And they kept on saying, this baby is really healthy. You must have eaten really well and exercised. And I was like, I did. (laughs) You know, I did. And I took my vitamins. And then when the baby was born, I had them look at the placenta, and I was like, is it healthy? Because it can start at that that advanced gestation, they can start – the placenta will fall apart, it will calcify, it won't look healthy. And they said, you must have eaten really well because this placenta, it doesn't look old, like it's healthy. This is keeping that baby healthy. And I was like, wow. all, like right on for nutrition, you know, like <laughs> this is it. This is the example right here. My little placenta is super healthy because I exercised, I hiked, I walked, I took my vitamins, I ate good food. I got a massage once a week to maintain my stress levels. And that little placenta showed me that I did my, my work that I should do. <laughs> that should be your little trophy. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Wow, that's really cool. Well, thanks for the book rec- recommendation. I actually bought it on Amazon while you were talking. So I will have oh, cool. that in a couple of days, and I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> so I'll think of you. Thank you. So let's talk about the boys, the spermies. Why do guys need this? How much of a benefit does it really provide? Because I know they've got to really be convinced, you know? It's like they're going to come along with their girlfriend or their wife to the doctor and do all this stuff. So does it really make that much of a difference? It does. And this is what I'm finding. I thought the exact same thing you just said until I started doing this work. I was like, how am I going to make this an attractive option for men so that they're participating with their you know, their their mamas there to be. And I have found the complete opposite. These men are like invested and they want to get healthy. And I think we're entering, tangent, I think we're entering, you know, just a new age of who daddies are and who, you know, who these parents are, you know, really like co-parenting and dads are taking a very vested interest in the health of the pregnancy, how to get pregnant. They know facts that like the moms don't even know sometimes. They have their iPhones out. So, for the most part, I'm not finding as much resistance as, you, as one might expect. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important for men to have healthy sperm because they're con- contributing half of the genetic material. And although they're not the incubator, they're not growing the baby where we need nutrition and we don't need toxins in our blood flowing into the baby, the health of the, the man contributes to the health of the sperm. The sperm donates the genetic material. And we have this thing called epigenetics. It's basically like the expression of our genes. It's not like genes making your hair blonde or brown or black. It's more like I have the ability to have diabetes and I may not express that unless I make certain decisions. And so we know that the way we we eat, the way we live, the way we conduct our lives contributes to our genetic material. And if they don't have healthy genetic material or changes in how the health of their sperm to contribute, that's going to affect the development of the baby. Not only that, it's going to affect the ability to get pregnant. Um, You know, a long time ago, we constantly kind of put this thing on women, like, oh, she's not getting pregnant. She's, does she have an issue? Is her uterus, I can't remember what you said, but like preparing uterus, like is her uterus not prepared? And really what we're finding is that time and time again now, it's actually um, more of a sperm issue than a preparing uterus issue, that the sperm counts are way, way down. So what I do for men is talk to them about lifestyle habits, supplements, and diet. I already mentioned the Wi-Fi thing. Keeping the cell phone in the front pocket is a big no-no. They're finding that Wi-Fi 
you know, I'm not good with technical things, so I just say like rays and beams, <laughs> so like Wi-Fi beams or rays or whatever they are. But Wi-Fi coming into the cellular, um, into the cell phone in their pocket can actually decrease sperm counts. It's not just because the heat of the cell phone. It has to do something with how Wi-Fi works. It does a lot to our brains, does a lot to our body to have it near us, and it significantly decreases the sperm count. Mm-hmm. If they have poor nutrition, they may not make healthy sperm. Like it may not affect the count per se, probably does, but they may they may have slow swimmers. They may have sperm that the we call morphologies off. They don't look right. They don't act right. They might have um, actual sperm that don't swim the right way. Can't find the egg. Can't penetrate the egg once they find it. Um, so diet and supplements are just as important to men as they are to women because they're contributing half of the baby, and they're trying to get a woman pregnant, and so they need healthy sperm. So if if, if a guy does a detox program, is that going to detox the sperm he has or just the sperm he's making or, you know? No, the sperm he's making. So once you get started on that process, it's literally like a train that's taken off down the tracks, and there's not as much you can do with it as the new <laughs> sperm that's going to get made, you know? So it's like... Does it have zero effect? No. It doesn't, it's still being made. It's still being processed. But really you want to work on the new sperm. And being that sperm is made, every 20, like it takes one sperm 28, 98 days from beginning to end to develop, you have, you know, you, in three months you could do a lot of work to start producing healthy sperm. Whereas women, our eggs are already there. They're already, you know, made. We, we can't do a ton about the men are constantly making sperm, and they're making it fairly rapidly. I mean, three months is not a long ter- time. So if you start mm-hmm. doing your detox work and you start doing your t- nutritional optimization, you're really looking at at the very minimum three months before you have healthy sperm, healthier mm-hmm. sperm. Yeah. What about what about for women who you know get hit with this curveball of, of depression after getting you know, after having their baby, is there anything they can do before they get pregnant or during they can, during while they're pregnant to prevent that from happening? Because it's, you know, I have a, a very good friend. She that's hap- it happened recently to her. She had her baby and then she just was not herself. She was just depressed. Like, what am I doing? Why did I do this? I mean, everything yeah, maybe a little tough. bit naturally comes along with that. But yeah. yeah, no, it's tough. It is tough. And you know, every you know every woman is going to experience that, whether it's for five minutes, fifteen minutes, or you know, weeks on end. And it's it's a tough. It's a tough emotion. I mean, I would experience it probably for 20 minutes at a time every few days. And I never got, personally never got to the place where it, thank God, lasted for months on end because it would be, it's, it's a dark place. So with women who get to that dark place, it, they need, first of all, support groups. One of the best things I had was my pregnancy buddy, I call her. Now we have our little buddies. They're both boys. We have our little buddies that hike together. But my pregnancy, I met her. We were both about five weeks pregnant. We were eight days apart in due dates. Um, it was her first baby as well, and she was my, okay, the baby's moving, and it feels really weird, and I know it's supposed to feel good, but it feels kind of creepy. <laughs> she was my friend that we got to say those things to each other as first-time moms, very close, and, and that was a very good transitional person to be with. Not only did she help with the pregnancy portion, like this is what's happening with my baby, and sometimes we need to express how we feel about that good, bad, or otherwise. And that person was there when we both had our babies. And when we had weird days, we were in the same position. We both had, her baby was, our babies are about three weeks apart, three and a half weeks apart. But in general, we're in the same place like, today, this is how I feel. So the ultimate thing to have is a support group. And I think there's no one better to support you than other new moms because 
They just, no one, if you've had your baby, you sort of forget. Even a year later, I sort of forget what that new stage is like in the same intensity that a new mother would. I personally also joined a postpartum support group of new moms, and we had a a post-pregnancy health educator lead us through a mom's group for an hour and a half, one time a week for six weeks. Um, The babies range from 10, mine mine was the youngest, at 10 days old up to three and a half months old, and and then she would lead us through activities, including like make a list of 10 things you enjoyed before pregnancy and do one of them each week or make make an honest effort to find somebody who can watch your baby for an hour so you can just do something for yourself. Those are the best things you can do during and after pregnancy for postpartum. Otherwise, um, supplementally, you want to make sure you stay on your fish oil, which always supports brain function. You want to make sure that you stay on any sort of thing that transitions you through um, the hormonal changes post-pregnancy. So like Vitex, you were saying, Chase Treeberry helps support the transition of um, your progesterone levels. And then there is, I'm actually looking at Bozzy Talk, there's a great herbal company called Mother Love, and I want to say that it's called the After Baby Blues or something like that. They have a great herbal formula that you can take while you're nursing, and that helps significantly the transition. In addition, a lot of new moms don't realize that breastfeeding can make you hypoglycemic. And if you're getting hypoglycemic, then you're getting irritable. And if you're getting irritable, then you're, you're, putting, you know, you're starting to be hard on yourself, like, I'm not a good new mom, I can't handle this. And you sort of get in this... Um, hamster wheel of negative emotions. So making sure you're having protein-rich snacks while you're pregnant because that helps the emotional shift during pregnancy and after pregnancy every two hours or so just keep on eating because pregnancy makes you get hypoglycemic, breastfeeding makes you get hypoglycemic. If you're not able or don't breastfeed for some reason, sleep deprivation makes you hypoglycemic. Right. So, um, so just making sure that you're staying on a diet and making – you don't have to have a, a huge amount of food, just, you know, a small handful of almonds, even a small piece of fruit. As a new mom, it, it's hard to explain unless you've been there, but really it's hard to eat some days. I mean, you just have this baby you can't put down and, and you don't even have a hand to, like – you know, I would say, like, I, I can't even get a frozen burrito in sometimes, you know, like the, the lowest of foods that, like, we, we could have right now, which is, like, I can't even microwave something. So – you know, making sure the time when your baby goes to sleep, you make some snacks for the next day, cut up little pieces of sandwiches or carrot sticks or whatever you need to so you always have something. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And only someone who's had a baby would have all that practical advice, you know. It's like <laughs> I so much more than just, oh, get sleep and, you know, take fish oil. It's like, no, there's a lot of real specific things you can do because this is what worked for me. So right, I love right. that. Yeah. And then it's called, um, I'm right here. I'll, I'll have to give it to you at the end, but the, it's a really good... I believe it's Mother's Love, something called, I'll find it to you by the end. It's called something like, it might be not Mother's Love, but it's called like Baby Blues, um, the herbal formula. Uh-huh. Okay, awesome. Cool. Well, I think we've gone over a lot. The last thing I wanted to just touch on briefly is about fitness. So I have a lot of patients that are just, you know, I mean, it's crazy, like the over-exercising that we see nowadays, like every single day doing a, you know, spinning class or CrossFit every day, and it's just crazy, and it's like, okay, I'm trying to get pregnant now. Well, (laughs) uh, no baby wants to come into that kind of hostile environment (laughs) with a lot of stress, stress hormones, free radical damage, I mean, so much that comes along with that. So how do you kind of talk about that with your patients, um, 
you know, how to navigate the fitness topic. How much should they be doing? Should they be maybe scaling back a bit? Where are you at with all of that? Yeah, so it's true. Babies need a really, you know, as my friend said, I like being big and round when I'm pregnant because that's what a baby should be in, something big, soft, and fluffy and round. And it's Mm -hmm. not that you have to put on enormous amounts of weight or something like that. It's not healthy either. But certainly people who are, we live in a world where fitness is, in, so, in certain ways, for certain people, probably tipped over into the st- scale of being a little bit more extreme than healthy. Um, a woman who is a marathon jogger, which is super awesome if that's what you want to do, but if you're trying to get pregnant, that's another story. It's not super awesome. It's usually going to um, change your hormones, change the good healthy fats you have on your body. A baby needs to have a, lo- you know, a certain amount of fat to build a healthy baby and then to breastfeed afterwards and have the right amount of weight. So You want to be a person who is conscientious of your health and has good body movements but certainly doesn't do anything that lasts more than about 45 minutes and isn't – I'm trying to put parameters around it that would, you know, without going fitness by fitness, but jogging five miles is okay. Jogging 10 is probably pushing it. Going to something like CrossFit is awesome, but it might be something you do once or twice a week, not five days a week if you're trying to get pregnant. Um, doing things that are more gentle, yoga, Pilates, those are great. And not only that, they create a great core system. You get a lot of back pain in pregnancy and, you know, your body's just pulling forward on that core. So if you could do something like yoga and Pilates, that's probably a more harmonious environment to get pregnant in than doing something a little bit more extreme that is better for a different part of your life. Yes. Yep. Got to get rid of the addiction and just start relaxing a bit. I mean, I think that isn't it crazy, though, how you hear that, how a woman will go on vacation and she'll stop trying to get pregnant and then, boom, she's pregnant. It's like, okay, now yeah. it's the environment the baby wants. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's right. I mean, you know, it, it's even like with birth. You know, like you, we don't really think of the, the anatomy of the body this way, but the cervix is a sphincter. And if you're not relaxed in, like, the birth process, you cannot open up that sphincter, sphincter to let a baby through, right? And the same is true with getting pregnant. Like, if you're not relaxed and open and accepting of what's about, what, what is going to happen with your body, it's not necessarily always going to happen. And stress changes our hormones significantly. It changes our inflammation levels in our body. Our uterus, our uterus and our cervix is obviously a big part of our body. So if we're changing our inflammation levels and we're changing our hormones, that is not a, an optimal environment for, like, implanting a little egg in that's going to become a baby. Right. No kidding. Well, good talk, Doc. We've had some good things we've talked about. I think it's a pretty nice overview of of the topic. Is there any tidbits you wanted to mention, any parting words, um, anything else, any other little nuggets? No, um, just that simply, you know, we spend so much time preparing for other parts of our life. And at this point, so few people spend time getting ready for pregnancy. And it is the best gift you could give yourself and your future family to really spend some time getting your body healthy. It's not that any one person is unhealthy and they have big health problems, but getting toxins out of your body and and optimizing nutrition is is something that every parent-to-be should consider doing because we're talking about the life and health of another individual that you're about to create and you want to, especially when you meet that little baby, you will have wanted to give them the world and the best way is to start with the healthiest, you know, beginning material possible, the healthiest, healthiest, healthiest beginning. And it is truly the most preventative 
thing you can do to have healthy little citizens of our world is to start them out before they're even started and to give them a lifetime of wellness. So, you know, I, I see people all over the country. We can do Skype and conference calls and things like that. It's not something you have to be in office for. It's not a lot of exams I need to do. It's really going over a comprehensive set of information about your body and then about getting pregnant in general. Mm-hmm. So where can our listeners learn more about you and get in contact with you? So you can, um, at this point, just email me. It's drsinsimer at gmail.com. I have a hard last name, so I'll spell it D-R-S-I-N-S-H-E-I-M-E-R at gmail.com. My office number is 760-568-2598. I hesitate. I'll give you my, in my website is drsinsimer.com, although that should change like any moment into something much more updated. So um, it should forward to our new website, but... um, if those, that website is for some reason not accessible, those are the other two options. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think this is such an interesting and fun topic, even for people who don't necessarily want to get pregnant, just ways to yeah. get healthy. And, and let's be honest, I mean, a healthy body is a fertile body. So even if you're not thinking about having a baby anytime soon, anyone can really benefit from these, you know, these recommendations. So I think it's awesome. So thank you so much for your time, and best of thank luck with you. everything. And I'm, yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm sure I'll see yeah, you at a very conference very soon. Yeah. Awesome. Well, enjoy your night. I'll talk with you soon. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. It's great to be back on the airwaves. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Make it a healthy week, and I will catch you guys next week. Okay, bye-bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Can you enjoy Thanksgiving dinner without the holiday hassles? Better believe it. The Pilgrim Sub is back at Get-Go Cafe and Market. Come and taste why it's our best-selling sub of all time. This holiday feast starts with our fresh-baked secret recipe stuffing bread. Then we load it with juicy roasted turkey, melted Wisconsin white cheddar, savory gravy, and if you like, house-made cranberry sauce. Don't wait for Turkey Day to chow down on this tasty tradition. The Pilgrim Sub is only here for a limited time. Get-Go Cafe and Market. Better believe it.